Second Corinthians chapter 5 is where I'm reading from today in the Bible. Here it is. The Apostle Paul says in verse 12 of Second Corinthians chapter 5, For we command not ourselves again to you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Wherefore, Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen, and may God bless his precious word to all our hearts. If you've been listening to previous programs, then you will know that the thread that is common to all of them is that I've been speaking on new things. I don't want to uh, go back over that uh, ground today because of the constraints of time. But we're going to speak today for a little while on this very familiar verse to many people. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When the Apostle Paul arrived at Corinth, he encountered a culture of corruption. And to be a Corinthian was synonymous with a a sinful, hedonistic lifestyle. In fact, he describes uh, the background to many of these people who have come into the faith and grace of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks about them having been brought up in a culture where there were so many aberrations, things that were ungodly. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10, Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the key phrase, And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. It was a choice place to put the message of Christ crucified, risen, and exalted to the test. And obviously it worked very powerfully in the face of such skepticism and secularism and sinfulness. Where the darkness is most intense, the light of the gospel shines the brightest. And as the apostle came to Corinth, he said, I'm here for one purpose, and that is to preach Christ, Christ crucified, risen, exalted, 
And he said, The preaching of the cross is to those that perish foolishness, but unto those who believe it is the power of God. And bless the Lord, whenever this man came with the message of the gospel to the city of Corinth and met all the secularism and the sinfulness that he met and the hedonistic lifestyle of the people, he addressed them with the message of the cross work of Jesus. We live in a secular world. We live in a society that is very much thrown off the constraints of grace and God and the Bible and the commandments of the Lord. What is the answer? What is the need of the human heart? Well, the need of the human heart is that it has to have a change, a radical change, a transformation, and bless the Lord, the message of the gospel of our great God and Savior is the one great message that transforms the lives of people. And by the time the second epistle reaches Corinth, living proofs are evident in that society. People who had been raised in Corinth physically are now raised in Christ spiritually. They are, as it says here in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, they are new creations. It was the constraining love of Jesus Christ that brought the Apostle Paul to this sinful place, Sin City Corinth. He knew that he had a message that these people needed to hear, and that is addressed in verse 14. He says, The love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That simple but profound phrase, One died for all. He died for all. And thinking about Corinth, I'm sure that the Apostle Paul saw the people as they were, dead in trespasses and sin, and people who needed the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. And one died for all infers that all were already dead. And that was true of the people in Corinth. They were spiritually dead. But it was the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary on behalf of and for people who were already dead in trespasses and sin. That's why the apostle came to the city of Corinth. And right here we have a twofold death scene. We have a humanity that is spiritually dead because the Bible says in Adam we're all dead, none excluded. But there's another death And it's the death that's recorded in the Gospels, the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And it says of these people who were dead in trespasses and sin, that he came and he died for those. For whom did he die? For all who were spiritually dead. But it not only says that he died for all, but it also says he lives for all. Because in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Death is not the end of the story in the gospel message. The tomb is empty. The cross is empty. Jesus is alive. And not only is he alive, but he is ascended. And the Bible says he is seated at God's right hand. He lives for all, and that is for all who will embrace his resurrection life. 
The New Testament benchmark for saved men and women is that they no longer live to their own selves, but unto him who is now their risen head, who is now their new master, that henceforth they should not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You know, it is when the apostle is writing to the church at Rome, he says, we have been raised with him, that we should walk in newness of life. And we find that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, we have been raised with him to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that is found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. So there's a wonderful twofold blessing and benefit of the resurrection life of Jesus. Raised with him that we might walk in newness of life. Raised with him to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This was the apostolic teaching that the young believers received in Corinth. And praise God, it's still current teaching for us today. He died for all. He lives for all. And the benefits of his death and the blessings of his resurrection are available to all who will trust him. It's not automatic. It doesn't blanket cover the whole human race without trust on the part of each individual. And now we come to the revolutionary verse. And when I use that word revolutionary, I'm not thinking of revolutionary in the context of rebellion within the nation, but I'm thinking of it in the context of transformational in the lives of the followers of Jesus Christ. I wonder about you today. Are all things new in your life? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, someone said, when you find the word therefore in the Bible, you say, what is that therefore, therefore? And why is it there? Well, it's there because of what redemption has purchased and procured for us, because of the resurrection and ascendant power and life of Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, because he died for all, because he lives for all, and those who trust him will enjoy the benefits of that death and that resurrection, therefore they become a new creation. And we have the person that we are identified with. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. And that begs the question, are you in Christ? Are you in the Lord Jesus Christ? By nature, we are out of Christ. But by the grace of God, we can be in Christ. And for those who have trusted him, and by his grace, they are living for him now. Yes, we can say we are in Jesus Christ. Not only is it the person that we are identified with, not a church, not a denomination, not some creed or something like that, but a real living head, a person, a relationship with a person, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, are you identified with him? One day there was a gentleman friend of mine was visiting for a revival or an evangelistic mission. And the man he called to see said, And sir, which church do you belong to? My friend said, I belong to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. I never heard of it, said the man. 
Well, of course, my friend knew that the Bible speaks about that because the firstborn referred to there is none other than the Lord Jesus. And what he was saying in a very interesting and humorous way to this man, but a profound way, was, I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to the living, true church. I am identified with him, the Son of God. But secondly, there is the person we are identified as. We are identified as people who are a new creation. The New Testament believer is not someone who has undergone a cosmetic makeover, not not someone who has undergone a kind of plastic surgery. You know, we live in the 21st century and we're hearing a lot about trans this and trans that. But the Bible also speaks about trans, and it speaks about transformation. Transformation. Formed after the nature of Jesus Christ. Do you know about transformation? Do you know that in your life? If you do, then this is a wonderful verse for you. You can say, yes, Pastor Eric, that's me. I am a new creation. No more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God I stand. God says, I will do a new thing. That was my very first message this season on uh, this siblings radio program and ministry. I will do a new thing. The Lord Jesus says, I have come to make a new people. How? By the power of my name. By the power of my gospel. By the power of my cross by my precious blood, by my blessed Holy Spirit. And so the concluding emphasis is this. We beseech you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Yes, we are speaking on his behalf. This afternoon I am fully aware that many of you who are listening in are already enjoying that wonderful relationship of being reconciled to God, new life in Christ, abundant and free. What glories shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone, there's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. The confidence that the Apostle Paul had as he came to Corinth with his message of the cross work of Jesus Christ, the glorious gospel of the Son of God, he was fully convinced that his message would change lives in that city, in that sinful society. His expectation, his confidence was not disappointed. His confidence stood and praised God today in this society in which we live, In this age, the 21st century, my confidence is not in myself, not in a church, not in political leaders. It is in him, in Christ alone. My hope is found and my hope is fixed. Now today, let's go out with the message to the people around us. As Paul the Apostle says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, the one who knew no sin, that we might be made 
the righteousness of God in him.